Hello, mates. Welcome into an Australian version of the Cavalry Cast. I don't have an Australian accent that I can do, so. But that I, was good. Yours I'm was good. Not even sure where that came from. Why are we choosing Australia? Uh, it's just the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, well, I, you know why? Our VBS. Our oh, VBS wow. uh, themed. Hours and half the countries. Right. Yeah. Because of the curriculum we use. I was just trying to think of a different way to welcome folks into the podcast. But that's, that's it. Good. I'm Graham. Good. You're Jess. Episode 76 with Calvary Cast. It's a big deal. Big deal. We were, uh, took a little week off. You were on vacay. Getting rested up. I had I, my teeth pulled. Did I tell you that? Teeth? Like more than one? I had two wisdom teeth pulled. Wow. Yeah. So it wouldn't... Uh, it uh, last week wouldn't have been a good week to podcast, anyways. Did so. you uh, did you go to sleep for it? No, you stayed awake for your wisdom teeth. Yeah, and this Why? one actually. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't actually that bad. I mean, it wasn't good. I wouldn't do it again, but it was way better than the first time I had my wisdom teeth pulled. I had the bottom was pulled out when I was like eighteen, and you didn't go to sleep for that either. No, that was a terrible experience. Oh and, my goodness! And, uh, and this guy. If uh, I don't even remember the name of the dentist, but uh, shouts out to him. I have free advertisement right here. Hmm. So no, I um I went to sleep for mine for sure. I had all four at one time. Yeah, and uh, went to sleep and woke up and they were out. Nice. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, that probably would be the way to do it. The other way is kind of barbaric. I'm cheap. Yeah, I didn't want to pay for it, dude. There are some things in life that are worth the money. It's well, just worth it. <clears throat> my wife is also like, if I can have a child without an epidural, you can have your teeth pulled without going to sleep. So I guess I thought that's probably a pretty fair argument there. Yeah, and I would say, well, I'm glad you can do that. <laughs> but if I were the woman, I'd be <laughs> having an epidural, <laughs> and I'm going to get we are put weak. Out for my we are weak. That's right. Uh, so yeah, but that's uh, that's all that I've got to uh, talk about. Well, good. Should we uh, talk about what... We haven't even actually talked much about what we're going to talk about on our podcast today. No, we haven't talked about it at all, but we're going to cover um, uh, Will Smith uh, slapping... <laughs> what's his name? All right. Yeah, Chris Rock. Did you... I, uh, I thought that was staged. I didn't. I didn't think it was staged. Do you still think it's staged? No, I don't think oh. it's staged now. When I first saw it, I thought like, oh, he didn't actually hit him. And then he actually... He did hit him. Yep. Uh, but yeah, there's some, well, what are your thoughts on that? It was so awkward okay. to watch, right? Okay. Yeah. It was, it just was serious. And then when you see Chris Rock's reaction, mm-hmm. it's like, he looks like he wants to cry yeah. and doesn't quite know what to do yeah. because now he's thinking anything like that. Now you're thinking in your mind, this isn't just going to be broadcast tonight mm-hmm. for millions of people That's to see. True. This is going to just get replayed over and over again. There's going to be memes all over yeah. the place. And there, it was oh, they're great memes now. Oh, yeah. Great memes from it. Yeah. And there always will be. It'll yeah. always be a picture of Chris Rock's head turned <laughs> after he just got smacked by <coughs> Will Smith yep. and all that. And and that'll just be forever now. Yep. Uh, I did. A couple of people pointed out. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't even know what the joke was. It was about her. Oh, that because she doesn't have hair. Right. Yes. Yes. Will Smith's wife. Yeah. And some people pointed out Will Smith laughed at the joke until he looked at his wife. He did. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to be laughing at this." Right. So then it kind of got me thinking, like, "Wait a minute, you're not 
that's where I thought it's kind of faux outrage in a sense. Like you mm. laughed at the joke right. and then you realized you shouldn't laugh at the joke. And right. so then you responded yeah. in the way that you did. Yeah. Uh, actually, the best thing I saw come out of it was the Babylon Bee article that said, Amy Schumer now learns that uh, you can get slapped for bad jokes. I saw that one too. It's <laughs> like, okay, that's pretty funny. And so. for the record, I didn't watch the Oscars. No. I just I saw would. that. I, I, actually, you, they were still on, I think, and Natalie was on her phone, and I was watching something else. Have you ever watched the Oscars? Not like from beginning to end, but I, I don't mean, think I've, I've ever watched snippets the of yeah. them and people. You could not them. pay me enough to watch. I, that sounds like the most insufferable thing ever. Well, to watch most the people Oscars. aren't watching them anymore. That was part of the problem. The, their their ratings were going down every year. See, it was staged. I tell well, you, well, that's why some people are saying it. Was. I think it was staged so. because they got. I mean, how look. Our little podcast is talking about the Oscars. It did exactly what... So we should stop this. We're giving them airtime. Yeah. Well, and then next year, people will want to see, just see who slaps who, you know. Mm. But... Um, I might watch then. I think he should be held... Well, anyway, we don't need to go into all that. No. I just don't think you should be allowed to walk up to somebody and smack them across the face without... You can, you can defend your wife, and I, I would be all for defending your wife and smacking somebody across the face, but you have to be able to accept the consequences at that point, which are really, right. which it's illegal. Did you hear his uh, his apology after that? Because I thought, you know, because he uh, won an award after that, and he was crying about it and mm-hmm. stuff. I thought, he's an actor. Is he truly sorry? It Is wasn't sorry to Chris Rock, and yeah. he apologized to the Academy. Yeah. But he was made it clear. He kind of one of those apologies, but like, I'm really kind of the hero of this story because yes. I was uh, defending my family yeah. and I love my family so much. So is this podcast that we're doing now about uh, how to deal with controversy and when people say mean things about you and not slapping them? No, not at all. Well, maybe that should just be the application we'll draw from our banter. Yeah. If somebody says something unkind, it's not an appropriate response to slap them. Right. Or if you do, just accept the consequences. Yeah. And uh, for Chris Rock, you turn the other cheek. Or press charges. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Okay, so I don't know. All right. Well, wow. I did not expect us to go there. No, me neither. What are we actually going to talk about today? We are going to look at Romans 1 again. And because I'm preaching through this, and there was one verse that I wanted to cover that I didn't get enough time in my sermon, which is becoming a common theme in all my sermons. <laughs> so there's like tons of stuff in there. I'm seeing like, this would be awesome to talk about. This would be awesome to talk about, but they can't all end in sermons. And so I want to look at really the introduction again and specifically, uh, verse seven. And this is all part of course, the introduction. He's identifying who he's writing to that kind of thing. So he says in verse seven to all those in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, what struck me as I was going through this, and I think we'll see this sort of, I guess, a theme going through the book of Romans. This letter is written to Christians, mm-hmm. okay, and Christians in Rome. Mm-hmm. But he uses he so so to all those in Rome, and it isn't just a general letter to Rome. Right. And we're, no. We should. I don't think, just off the top of my head, I can't think of any, uh, any book of the Bible that should just be read in the context of this is just to every sure. person on the street. Right. It's it's too. It's always set in some kind of either to Israel, mm-hmm. Judah, uh, or. Um, 
you know, a particular church right. or a particular person, right. you know. So it's always important to keep that in mind. And uh, the Bible is is written to God's people, mm-hmm. you know. That's always important to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's supposed to be... Um, interpreted that way as though this is just for God's people, right? Mm-hmm. So, but this one is interesting because he says to all those in Rome, and here's the qualifiers, who are loved by God and called to be saints. All right, so that first phrase, that qualifying phrase of who it's to, those in Rome, you mean everybody in Rome, Paul? Every right. single Roman person? No, those who are loved by God. Okay. Now, I mean, let me just ask you, why would that, if you really thought about that phrase, mm-hmm. and uh, let's say as many Christians might interpret that, why would that? Why does that sound interesting or might catch your attention if you were really thinking about it? With what we know about God, uh, God's love, particularly. So it has to do with who God loves. Yes. Right? Right, yeah. And mo- a lot of Christians, as they think about God's love, they mm. think God loves... Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And, uh, or or we could put it this way, that God loves everyone in the Equally. same way. Right. And I don't think that is biblically True. accurate. Yes. Okay? That there are some with uh, uh, upon whom God has set his special yeah. love mm-hmm. or to use maybe kind of old covenant language, his covenant love, right. his, you know, his has said mm-hmm. uh, that steadfast, loyal, faithful, enduring, everlasting love. Right. Whereas not all of the world has that love from mm-hmm. God. And I think that is probably more important than we think it is yes. to understand. Yes. And we'll, if we, if we understand this appropriately, we'll cultivate within us more gratitude for being the beloved of God. Mm. Right. You know, because uh, the Psalms are filled with that steadfast love language, especially. And the psalmist is always praising God for that, right? For your steadfast love, which you've shown to me, to the nation of Israel, right? So that's a unique love of God for a specific people. And it's recognized by the people whom that love has been shown to. Yeah, and it's always rooted in covenant. Right. Right. It's in the covenant relationship right. that yes, these exactly. people have with God. Right. Old Testament, Israel, right. and New Testament. So, too. so when you're reading the Psalms and you see that steadfast love, understand what that is. That's God's covenant love for His covenant people. Right. To be a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Okay. So, in other words, there are these people in Rome who are loved by God, and he says called to be saints. Let me just mention that real quick, and then we'll jump back to the love by God. There there are two kinds of callings mm-hmm. that the gospel puts out. The first one is a general call to everyone. Did we do a podcast on this? We probably did. I don't know. Go back and look in our archives, people. We did a podcast on call, I think. Yep, and that becomes very important in Paul's writing, too, to the Roman church, that I, I understand of understanding that God did not does not call to salvation everyone in the same way. Right. There is what's called an effectual call that goes to Christians. Yeah. And um that's why they believe. It right. becomes with the power of God and the grace of God to repent and believe and follow Christ. And then there's a general call to everyone else. I think okay. it's episode sixty four, many are called but few are chosen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well okay, because we were looking at Matthew, right? right? Yep. And we probably parked on that yep. there in one of the talked about the general and specific call. 
So this one, let's talk about this loved by God. So um, when we think about God's love, it, it is, on one hand, it is true to say that God loves everyone. Okay. There is a way in which that's true. Okay. Okay, in a way in which it's not. Okay. When we, we talk about the, the different kinds of love that God has, the, the two or maybe three common ways that theologians have understood the love of God is coming from the Bible in the past. There is the benevolent okay. or beneficent love of God. Okay, these are connected. Benevolent is his actual... Um, Out of, like a goodness type yeah, of thing? Yeah, his goodness. So uh, it, it's uh, his good will or good okay. disposition towards people okay that comes from who he is the beneficent type of love is where he actually acts out of that goodwill okay so this is what jesus talks about in um in matthew chapter five when he's t- telling us oh the birds yeah. what they're provided for and all of that no it's no. loving your enemies oh okay and in chapter five verse 43 he says you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy and that's what they were being taught, that okay. you love your neighbor, right, by the, by the rabbis there, but you got to hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So here he's talking about Jesus is saying, if you're you need to be like God and God loves his enemies. Well, in what way does God love his enemies? Uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a steadfast, loyal, faithful, covenant, saving love to his enemies. What God does is out of his benevolent character, he uh, and, and his attribute of benevolence and goodness, he gives even to his enemies, those who reject him, don't believe in him. Um, he gives them what they need, hmm. right? Yeah. So they need air and, and water and the sunshine. And right. They even get to enjoy his creation. Right. That's out of the goodness of who hmm. God is, right? His right. good will to do that. And he's saying now in this, it's not that he has this ooey gooey feeling for them. Right. Like he, you know, he's not commanding his people have this ooey gooey feeling for <laughs> your enemies. He's saying, do good to them. Okay. Right. If they need something, provide it for them. Right. So that, well, that's kind of benevolence right. providing for others. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's the one kind of love. Okay. And that is not what Paul is referring to, uh, in, in this part. So just to add on to that for a minute, because I get, I think about like the prophets. I was just reading this morning in Jeremiah where the Lord is issuing uh, judgments against all these different nations, mm-hmm. right? And that's a demonstration of his not special, not special said love towards these nations because for many of them, their roads are finished after the Lord meets out judgment on them. Like they cease to exist as a nation. Yep. But even with the nation of Israel, when he meets out judgment, he says, I'll return to you. I will visit you. Uh, so, but these nations all through their history, the fact they exist as nations are, is an evidence of his benevolent love. Right. 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 Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, it, a key point in that, and this will come out in a minute, but it's that kind of the, the love of God that does good even for his enemies. Mm. Right. That expires at a certain point mm-hmm. and they don't experience any more of the goodness right. of God 
ever. Right. Uh, in eternal punishment. Right. Okay. So that's one of the differentiations okay. here between that kind of general, right. common grace, love that God just does good for people mm-hmm. and that which he has for his people in Christ. Okay. Okay. And so um, the other kind of love, and this, I have to attribute this to R.C. Sproul, and it wasn't original with R.C. Sproul because it was, it's a historical term, but the complacent love of God. Ooh. Which sounds funny to right. us because of the way we use the word complacent. Right. But uh, the word complacent actually has reference uh, originally to taking pleasure in something or delight in something. Okay. And the reason it's become what it is now, when we think about complacent, you almost think about... Lazy? Lazy or uh, indifferent or yeah, whatever now. Right. And the idea with that as it evolved as a word is because is somebody has just gotten everything they want, then they just become complacent uh, or whatever. Sure, That's what, sure. But really the word means, uh, first and foremost, to take delight in something or pleasure in something. And this is his kind of special love that he had for, that he has for Christians. Okay. That he has for his people. That, that, that Paul could say to the church in Rome, you are loved by God hmm. in this special way, in this love of complacency that he actually takes pleasure in you mm. and he takes pleasure in saving you and doing good for you. Mm. Okay. And, um, this kind of love is always for the Christian in Christ. Mm. Okay. Because this kind of special love, uh, this kind of complacent love is first and, and foremost, really, uh, displayed in Christ. Right. So at the baptism of Jesus, the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right. This uh, uh, love, delight, pleasure in his Son. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that is that. that is the, really the foundation of the root of his love for us. Because what Paul will uh, goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 1, and he's talking here about kind of describing the eternal perspective, God's perspective of our salvation. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, very important phrase there, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So it is that love, that special love he has for Christ that he set on us in his choice of us, okay, Mm -hmm. of his people from before the foundation of the world. He sets that love on us, and we experience that in and through Christ, and we are then adopted into his family as sons in whom he is well-pleased and Mm. loves. And that love, just as that love for Christ that the Father has for Christ that could never expire or end or uh, in any way be ruined or distorted— That same love he has for him, he has for us. Huh. And that's what makes it so special. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John in John chapter 17. i got to mm. pull it up here. I didn't have it marked. But he says this, um, verse 23, 
I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So that kind of love mm-hmm. that the father has for the son is now by God's choice mm-hmm. set on us his people in Christ, his covenanted people in Christ, Mm. and we are loved as the Son is loved in Christ. And we're brought into his uh, uh, adoption as sons, into the family of God with this kind of love set on us. So the complacent love then, to try and summarize that, is that there is a delight that God has in his children because we're in Christ. Yes. Is that that it? And that is a love he does not have for everyone right. else. Right. It's in. Uh, I was thinking about the Psalms. There's a number. Well, it, it goes both ways. Uh, like Psalm. Well, let's see here. I got to pull it up here. Uh, Psalm like sixteen. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. There's a number of passages like that where it talks about the Lord delighting in His people, and then on the other side of that. The Lord's people, especially like in the Psalms, they're always delighting in the law of the Lord, like Psalm mm-hmm. 1. Mm-hmm. Blesses, but blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. So it's almost like this delight that God takes in us. Uh, it's like symbiotic, and it's not not really, That's a, but it's cyclical. Right. right? As the Lord delights in us, we delight in him, and, yes. and it's a beautiful thing. Well, John put it this way, that, we love him because he right. first loved us. Yes. This is what he's talking about. Right. He's not talking about some just general love that God had for every single person. Right. He's talking about the love he had for his people, mm. right? And, uh, g- you know, giving them to the son, the son coming and redeeming them, that love that he determined to set upon us from before the foundational world. Mm. And it's really important to understand that as Paul's explained that in Ephesians 1, and uh, other places, this was not, we, he didn't love us bec- uh, because we are lovable. Right. Or that we were different or better than everyone else. Right. This was God's sovereign choice to set his, right. this kind of covenant love, right. sonship love on us all by grace. This right. is a, a love of grace. Right. Where we you are. don't deserve it. Right. We don't deserve this. We can't earn it. We don't have any conception of why me or not someone that all of that isn't even taken into account. Mm -hmm. It is just this gracious love uh, that God chooses to set upon uh, his people. Okay. And as I said, the reason this is important in Romans, too, is because um, in, in, in chapter eight, he's he brings out what is probably one of the most beautiful portions of the Bible, really, if you're thinking about this concept of God's love. And he says in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This love is in, we're in, it's inseparable from us at this point on, Mm. right? I mean, it's not like we could ever lose it. It can't be taken away. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in Christ and the person and work of Christ. It's the love he has for his son. He said in John 17, he has for us. It's this, just this rock solid covenanted love uh, that that God has separate uh, set upon us, and we can never be separated from it. That that's why I think it's so important to see this as a unique kind of love, right. uh, rather than just this general kind of love that God has for everybody. It, it actually, it's it's uh, you're more aff- should be more affirmed in God's love for you when you understand the uniqueness, the specificity of that love for you, than just a general love. That's right, right. Because then you can go to Romans 8 and you go, he does love me in a unique way because of Christ. I'm adopted in his family, all of that. And that's never going to go away. Right. That That's a, that's a real like comfort and yeah. assurance. Yeah. So rather than a, a fear, yeah. Yeah, it's comforting and assuring. And to speak about God loving everybody in the same way really cheapens it. Yes. It really does. Yeah. So if, if you're speaking to an unbeliever, you do have to be careful about mm-hmm. how you say God loves them. Right. Right. This God in his the, love right now is offering yeah. to anyone who will yes. repent. And because of, because of his benevolent character and his love for people generally, right. he's provided the gift of his son. And if anyone repents and right. trusts in him, wow, that's really a loving God that right. would do that to a world that hates him. Right. Uh, but, to speak about this specific kind of familial covenant love right. that is just for his people and attribute that to an unbeliever, yeah, I think cheapens it. To use the language where people say things like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life right, isn't probably the best way to phrase it. It's probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good way. It, it cheapens it. It does. It lessens it. And I think what Paul is going to do, by the time he's getting to Romans 8, he's not cheapening the love of God no. for his special people. No. He's actually just kind of, you know, what is he's lifting it up, yes. bringing it to the forefront yeah. so that we can celebrate it and enjoy it. The other thing, too, just to think about that, if you're, if you're saying things like, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, to somebody who actually doesn't have this unique love of God, they're not the saints, right? Right. Uh, does it not then diminish like God's righteous wrath against them as sinners yes. at the same time? Right. Yeah. It just kind of makes God this fun guy in the sky uh, that just kind of is doling out this like what do you what was the term you used earlier? Smudgy, udgy love or yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Something, right. something like that. It it, it 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 diminishes the fact that actually you're under wrath. Yeah. And and yes, God's love is demonstrated in the fact that here is the the call to repent and to believe in Jesus, but you're not yet loved with the same sort of love. Right. Right. And yeah. Yeah, it's um so I just think it's important for us to to think about these things to 
be specific, like be real specific and cautious in how mm-hmm. we, we throw around terms mm-hmm. like the love of God, um, how we think about the lost, yeah. how we approach them, right. how we say, you know, t- talk about the gospel to them. And, um, and really remembering that the reason God shares with us so much about things like his love for us and his choosing of us mm. and um, all those things is to grow us in our love for him and our, you know, and our desire for him and our, um, you know, joy in him and all those things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's growing us in, in our relationship to him. So I think it's really important to do. Well, we hope the this podcast has been helpful, uh, gives you things to think about, points back to the Word of God, encourages you to be a student of the Word of God, so provokes you in that sense. We love to hear from our listeners, so you can always email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. If you're a part of our church, though, just come up and talk to us, send us a text, or give us a phone call. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. So until next time. Thank you.